This is a part three of a part four series about Jamie Snow. In this episode, we continue our conversation with Jamie's daughters, Nicole and Jessica, and his partner, Tammy. Also, what I didn't mention was Jamie's original trial attorney went to prison as well after his sentence, after after Jamie was uh, convicted for bilking an elderly woman of her entire life savings. He was the POA uh, attorney that was supposed to manage her her, her finances. And he Turned said he had a gambling tra- problem P-O-S. and that he had a... Yeah. Power of attorney. So he had control and he left her. She died in a nursing home penniless with nothing to leave anyone. So he was in prison. So him, the first officer on the scene and Jamie Snow at one time were all in prison in Illinois. At the same that is so time. crazy. I know. Yeah. Something else I would like to say, too. Um, during my dad's trial, when I would go to it every day, we used to see his lawyer would be drunk as a skunk in between going in there and see in front of the judge and they would take breaks. We'd go across the street to this little bar, me and my mom, and he would be in there just throwing the shots back. He was wasted through my dad's whole trial. It was insane. Jessica, how old were you? 14 when my dad got arrested. Wow. So... I sat through it all, and at one point in time, we went, they were about to start court, and we went and opened up the little doors outside, and my dad's lawyer was literally laying in that little room, passed out drunk on the floor with his head on his briefcase. That was in the middle of the day during my dad's trial. That's how much effort he put in to my dad's murder trial. Wow, that's just crazy. I don't I don't understand how they can get away with that isn't there something called and, and ineffective also, counsel that you can have a retry like retrial i don't know the terminology ineffective assistance of counsel mm-hmm. sometimes referred to as iac the law is a tricky thing so when on his direct appeal he claimed ineffective assistance of counsel they got into an area in post conviction where they said that that had already been exhausted. So you can't, new evidence has to be new evidence. So you can't bring in evidence that you've already brought in. But our argument is he didn't know this Mm -hmm. when he did his direct appeal. He just knew he was drunk. Like Jessica knew he was drunk. Like Jessica's mom knew he was drunk. He knew that and and also the the unbiased mitigation specialist knew he was drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said he was drunk. He said in his own sentencing mitigation, which took three days in his trial, where he had many, many psychiatrists coming on and saying that he was uh, an alcoholic and that he had a gambling addiction, all all of this lengthy pages and pages and hundreds of pages of them testifying, which Jamie never got that kind of mitigation, said that uh, he was going through a divorce and he was drinking between, what did he say, Five to eight or eight to 16 drink, no, eight to 16 drinks a night, eight to 16 drinks a night during trial. So their, their argument is, uh, well, the judge said, you know, he was the attack dog. He was there to be there in court. He, but you, you can't 
try a case and be hungover every day or uh, drinking that excessive amount every single night. Jamie said he smelled alcohol on his breath. Uh, So he tried to get, he didn't even want him in the sentencing. There was a lot of issues. We have letters. uh, We have a whole episode on the Snow Files about when he was being sentenced and the letters that he sent to the judge saying, no, begging him, give me another lawyer for my sentencing at least, (laughs) at Mm -hmm. least. Uh, And they wanted to get off the case. They were trying to get off the case. And the judge said, no, 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 no. And not only that, just to wrap up this trial, not only did they not give him another lawyer for the sentencing and do proper, he had he had two witnesses in mitigation. Billy Hendricks, his best friend who also had, well, not his best friend as a child, who also had a lengthy record. And Tammy Snow, his then wife, who they didn't believe in the first place because she gave his alibi. So two people, not all, he had started a business in Florida. He had business people that could have testified. He had plenty of people that were were not in that Bloomington area that could have testified, but he didn't get, he had no mitigation. Maureen Kevin who thought she had plenty of evidence for mitigation because of uh, issues uh, he had growing up. She didn't, he didn't call her to testify. He delayed the trial to get her to testify is what he said, delayed the sentencing to get her to testify and then didn't call her. It was Billy Hendricks and Tammy Snow. That was uh, terrible. And to the cherry on top is that during that time, the sentencing guidelines for what he was charged with murder was between 20 to 60 years. And the judge took it upon himself to give him life without parole, saying that uh, he could not be reformed. He said that in court. And he had not been in trouble in in years. He had very successful working period and time in Florida when he wasn't getting in any trouble and he was pulling his life together. So it was a sad, sad, devastating day for the Snow family. And they they stuck it to him. When they came and arrested him was the first time really our lives had started looking normal. We, my dad had a business. We all lived. We were a family in Florida. My dad was always there. My mom was there. Like we, it was a normal life. And then they came back and arrested him. And it has never been the same since. Nicole, how old were you when it's, when your dad was arrested? I did the math a while ago because I thought it was younger, but I think I was actually around five. I'm not really, do you remember um, Tam, because I remember we talked about it and I did all this math to try to figure it out um, because I had been saying I was like four, but I think I was closer to six, but I can't remember. I do think that you came up. I, th- I do think that you came up with six. So what was your uh, and, and, and that makes more sense to me. Uh, Amber, how how many years are there between you and Amber? I think three years. Now that makes sense because I remember him saying that Amber loved him very like uh, because you two were always playing like in the yard and like when he came home and she would follow him around like she liked to 
like pop up in his lap and and stuff like that. She couldn't have been an infant if she was able to do that kind of stuff. So three, 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 two or three makes more sense to me. Um, So that would have made you five or six. I think uh, I thought I was younger for the longest time. But then when I found out and I did all that math, it made more sense. Because I I was too young to really understand what was going on, but I was old enough to know that something was going on. So I remember just growing up as like a very anxious and stressed out kid. Um, Like I remember one time my mom took me to the ER because I thought I went blind, but really I was just lightheaded. (laughs) But I had such a bad anxiety attack about it that I had convinced myself and everybody else that I was blind when really I was literally just lightheaded. So I was just like a very anxious and stressed out little girl growing up. And that was due to your dad being in... It was, I think it was due to growing up with that over my head, that stigma of having like my dad in prison for a murder. It's one thing to have your dad in prison. It's another thing to have him in prison for murder. And then also you and all your family say that he's innocent. Well, there was a lot of people that really turned their noses up on us saying that because um, I think they just thought we were saying it because we didn't want to believe that our dad was such a good guy that he could never do anything like that. When it, it, it wasn't like that, it was just really what happened. We weren't just being kindly led by my dad. It was really what happened to us. Yeah. Did you did you always know that he was in prison for murder? I think so. I didn't know what that was. Like, I didn't understand how serious that was. But since I was the youngest, me and my, my younger sister, we were the youngest. We were kind of on the sidelines. My mom was more concerned with trying to keep an eye on the older kids because they were obviously like right in the heart of it going through that trauma. And so they were acting out and they were having a lot of like emotional distress and things like that. So me and my younger sister, we really just kind of watched everything going on, not really understanding because we were too young. And so I knew that he was in prison and I knew it was for murder, but I didn't know really anything else. And I didn't understand like really what murder was, to be honest, until I was probably like 12 like, I didn't understand how serious that was because it was such a common thing in the household to talk about. There's five kids in your family? Between me or between my parents, so my dad and my mom, there's four. And then my younger sister, she has a different dad. Okay. Um, so, but she was always with us. Like, we were all a family. I never thought of her as like a half sister or anything. She's just okay. my sister. Mm-hmm. So there was five kids in the household at the time. I can't stop thinking about that this is like when you when Jessica describes she was there for the trial and it must have been so traumatic because of the things that was going on and things that was said. But this is still ongoing trauma. Like it's not even I just think that it must be hard for you, like all three of you to to be in a stressful situation that just continues. Is the house is still on fire or Jamie, he's still in prison and the injustice and pain just keeps going. So that must be so, so stressful. It's not a thing that's over. And I don't know how to how you get through that. I think that's something that's kind of underrated is that it doesn't go away. It doesn't stop for us. From my from my perspective, uh, just to jump in here, I, uh, I, I don't know. I've never talked to the talk to the girls about this, but uh, I'm very sensitive. I'm a 
as protective <laughs> of the snows. Uh, they've always been willing to do everything that is asked of them and put themselves out there. But I am very sensitive to the fact, I don't know what the answer is. I know that them doing stuff like this helps ACE and they want their dad freed and they want, and the whole family. Oh, it's not, it's not just them. It's, it's, it's the whole family. You know, Tammy Snow still has her trauma you know, from all of this and all the time. Um, It's an everyday thing. If you look at back at the time Jamie was convicted, there was a lot of evidence that wasn't brought forward and a lot of evidence that we've discovered and put out there. When you look at at, uh, the older ones, Jessica, especially Jessica and Chris and even Junior, they were in school and their dad and their aunt, it was a high profile case, was in the picture their, their pictures were in the paper every single day. There was an update of the trial every single day. So they were going to school. Uh, they were they were getting that. And that's how uh, Nicole and Amber get the residuals uh, of all of that. So it is, they had the cloud. They were uh, always uh, fighting. Like I said, I don't know what, what the answer is. I've always said, don't do anything you don't want to do period. But if it's something that I'm like, this is really going to help your dad's case. I'm just honest with them. But don't do it if you don't want to do it, because they they have to live their lives, too. Yeah. So they have to live their lives, too. Yeah, I appreciate Jessica and Nicole coming on and, and talking to us, because I know it's got to be difficult, because there is no resolution to this yet. They know their dad is innocent. The evidence is out there that he's innocent, and yet he's still sitting in prison. Now, that's one of the hardest things that I have to deal with, because in the town where we live, it's, everybody knows us, our last name. It's getting a little bit better. Some people are starting to realize, a lot of people are starting to realize, that have looked into it, that my dad is innocent. But there's still a lot of people around town that when they hear our name, they think, oh, you know, they, our name has is bad around here now, you know. And it just sucks because we know that our dad's innocent and it's all this has came down on top of us and we all have to like deal with it. And for what? Because my dad's innocent. None of us asked for this to happen to us, but we're always going to stand up and fight for our dad because we love him and we know he's innocent of this. And it's, it's really been hard, too, because the people that think that he is guilty for whatever reason, so people can be really nasty. And I've had people at jobs say stuff to me. The cops used to pull us over all the time just to harass us and say stuff about our dad. And just it's just been crazy. Well, I think you just answered the question I was going to ask. And that is, if you notice that you were treated differently after your dad's conviction than you were before his arrest. Absolutely. It's like we'll never get away from that here. It's, it's just crazy how mean people can be. And they don't care if you're a kid. Because I started dealing with this when I was 14 years old. And the way I've been treated as a kid and an adult over this is people just don't care. They will just say anything to you. And what's crazy is I know my dad. And I know the stuff they're saying is not true. So people can try to attack me all they want because it'll never change my opinion on my father or his innocence or our relationship or anything like that. 
I just don't understand so how, how, how someone could be so insignificant. Someone could be so small that they feel like they have to attack the child to make themselves feel good. Yeah. Yeah. What that tells me about their yeah. intelligence is that they have none. Right. I think actually it's weird because I think a lot of people don't realize that they are being aggressive or they're being uh, malicious in the way that they come across. Because I've had people talk to me about my dad and say things along the lines of, I understand what you guys are doing and I hope you guys get a trial and I hope that you guys look into it more, but I really do believe that he's a murderer and I think he should be there for the rest of his life. And I, I understand where they're coming from, but that is someone's dad that you're talking about. Right. When they say that, they're saying it because that's how they feel. And I, I respect how they feel. That's a dad. That's a that's a grandfather. That's an uncle. That's somebody that really matters to a lot of people. So when you say those kind of things, I think a lot of people are not letting it get past it being just a case that they heard about in the news. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a real person. Right. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe so you can get notified of when our new episodes release and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Touch by Crime. Thank you. And we hope to see you again next week.